Hello, I'm Aaron Lohr. And I'm Caitlin Andrzejczyk. And this is the Endocrine News Podcast. Thank you for downloading this podcast, a free service of the Endocrine Society. June is Men's Health Month. So, in this episode, we look at the connections between semen quality, reproductive function, and general male health. We speak with Alberto Ferlin, Associate Professor of Endocrinology at the University of Brescia in Italy. He and his colleagues worked with more than 5,000 men who were part of infertile couples. They looked at these men's sperm counts and their relationship with hypogonadism, high blood pressure, high body mass index, problematic cholesterol, and metabolic syndrome. Dr. Ferlin presented the findings at the Endocrine Society's annual meeting. Also, Caitlin will tell us about the latest research update, and she will ask our trivia question. Stay tuned. First, our research update. Go to www.endocrine.org podcast to learn more about men's health. There you will find this episode and a link to our most recent thematic issue, which also is on men's health. In this curated collection of 16 papers, we include clinical articles on androgen deprivation therapy in men with prostate cancer, a retrospective analysis of testosterone administration in female-to-male transgender patients, a report of increased fractures in men with anemia, and much more. Basic science articles include comprehensive reviews of two important sex hormones and a study that suggests that some male-specific metabolic and reproductive disturbances result from paternal obesity. This online collection also contains papers that focus on the health of aging men, including an examination of reproductive hormone levels as a marker of frailty, and a report on the association between metabolic syndrome, testosterone, and mortality. Finally, a couple of articles identify critical gaps in research devoted to sex differences and highlight the need for continued research in this area. All the articles in this collection are free to download. Since we are learning about semen quality and reproductive function as markers of general male health, I thought that a good trivia question for our listeners would be, what else is in semen besides sperm? I will have the answer for you after the interview. And now, our talk with Alberto Ferlin, Associate Professor of Endocrinology at the University of Brescia in Italy. Dr. Ferlin presented findings from his cohort study on men's health at the Endocrine Society's annual meeting in Chicago, and we spoke with him there. Your endo presentation is titled Semen Quality and Reproductive Function as Markers of General Health, a Prospective Cohort Study on 5,177 Men. Uh, this is such a compelling topic and perhaps surprising for some. We know low sperm count is a problem for fertility, but your study suggests it could say a lot about a man's general health. Why is sperm count so important? Oh, this study analyzed well in details why or if sperm count could be a markers of a general man's health because there had been previously some publications suggesting that infertility, male infertility, or in particular poor semen quality, in particular low sperm number, could be associated with some other metabolic or cardiovascular risk factors. And importantly, there are two or three papers, longitudinal studies, uh, both from Europe and the USA, 
showing that uh, infertile men may have an increased mortality, especially for cardiovascular disease and metabolic uh, alterations like diabetes. So uh, all these studies uh, suggested this uh, correlation between uh, infertility or between uh, low sperm count and cardiovascular or cardiometabolic alteration, but the data were not uh, complete or conclusive. So we put on these uh, uh, prospective studies uh, in Italy uh, with a very large number of patients. Uh, these patients are partners of infertile couples. And you know, infertility is a clinical condition only defined by the absence of pregnancy after one year of uh, unprotected intercourse. So it's uh, uh, sometimes quite difficult to have a, a clear definition. But these uh, more than 5,000 men we studied were partners of infertile couples. And we performed uh, a lot of uh, tests and analysis uh, other than semen analysis to understand whether sperm count and in general reproductive function of a man could be uh, a marker of his general health. Can you tell us a little bit more about the design of your study and specifically what did you measure in this large population and what did that data begin to tell you? Yeah, uh, we started from more than uh, 1,000 infertile patients who came to our university department for semen analysis to understand why uh, they were infertile. And then we selected patients who had a complete analysis involving uh, other than history and general physical examination. We have uh, reproductive hormone determination and uh, testes ultrasound, semen culture to uh, show possible infection, and biochemical determination for lipid and glucose metabolism. And uh, if uh, men uh, were found to be uh, oligothospermic, that means with a sp total sperm count below 39 million per ejaculate, that is the normal uh, reference value determined by the uh, WHO. Uh, if these men were oligothospermic, we performed also genetic analysis, uh, in particular karyotype analysis, Y chromosome microdeletion, and cystic fibrosis mutation. These are the genetic analysis uh, uh, commonly suggested from uh, guidelines uh, in severely infertile patients. And furthermore, if patients were diagnosed with uh, hypogonadism, in particular hypogonadism with uh, low testosterone and or elevated LH, so the so-called subclinical hypogonadism, we perform also a DEXA scan of the bone to have a bone mineral density and bone mineral content to detect possible osteoporosis or osteopenia, so low bone mass. So it's uh, these uh, 5,000 uh, patients were really evaluated completely for their reproductive function and for possible uh, other cardiovascular or metabolic risk factors and for bone health. So let's talk a little bit about hypogonadism. So I know that you looked at it and it plays a significant role um, in the relationship between low sperm count and general health. If you took hypogonadism away, does the low sperm count still show some of these risks that you're mentioning? 
Hypogonadism is well studied in older patients, the so-called late-onset hypogonadism, but uh, and in these older patients, older population, we know that hypogonadism is associated with poorer metabolic uh, parameters, uh, with obesity and diabetes, uh, with osteoporosis and so on. So it is quite clear the association between low testosterone and all these metabolic uh, and bone alterations in older people. But what we didn't know if uh, this association uh, could be also present in younger men, because uh, you understand this population uh, is about 30 years old because they are in reproductive age. They are not 17 or 70 or 80 years old. So we defined uh, three types of hypogonadism that uh, are the current uh, diagnosis. So primary hypogonadism caused by a testicular insufficiency with low testosterone and elevated LH, or secondary hypogonadism caused of a pituitary uh, problem with low testosterone and low LH, and the other form is the so-called subclinical hypogonadism represented by testosterone levels that are still in the normal range but with elevated LH uh, that is a sign that uh, testis is not completely normally functioning. So in this population we have uh, in total a very high prevalence of hypogonadism when patients have low sperm count. Uh, in general, we have 45% of men with low sperm count with some kind of hypogonadism, uh, when compared to 6% of men with uh, normal sperm count. And so uh, at the end, the statistical analysis show that the odds to ratio for hypogonadism uh, for any kind of uh, hypogonadism in men with low sperm count is about uh, 12. So it's a very high risk for these patients. Can you tell us a little bit about the current treatment options for men who are experiencing hypogonadism? We have to consider, uh, first of all, one thing, that uh, current therapy for uh, hypogonadism includes testosterone replacement. But here we have uh, men with infertility. And you know that if we have a, a testosterone supplementation, we suppress spermatogenesis. Uh, so uh, if we have older men with hypogonadism, the treatment of choice and the old guidelines suggested to treat with testosterone, there are different formulations, but uh, the, the aim is to restore the testosterone plasma level uh, so that uh, uh, we can avoid all the consequences of low testosterone. But here we cannot treat with testosterone these patients because if we treat with testosterone, so we suppress spermatogenesis. So in the men with hypogonadism who search uh, fertility, we have to treat with LH or HCG. But this is possible only in the form of secondary hypogonadism, so when LH is low, not when there is a primary hypogonadism or a subclinical hypogonadism, so when LH is already high. So we cannot treat this man with LH and we cannot restore testosterone levels, plasma levels. So in these patients looking for fertility, we must first trying to have a child, 
in, uh, with other medical treatment or assisted reproduction. And after that, we can supplement with testosterone to replace testosterone plasma level. So let me ask you this. I think when a lot of people think of low sperm count, one of the first things they're going to think about is fertility and you know, what does this mean for my ability to, you know, have a child? Your study points that there's maybe more to be concerned about if you have a low sperm count. How aware do you think healthcare providers are that low sperm count means as much as it does based on what we've seen in your study? Do they know this? Uh, it's quite different between uh, different countries and different uh, specialists uh, who see the infertile patients. Because, you know, endocrinologists are used to see completely a man, but this is, uh, for example, different for urologists that only look for fertility, only look at semen analysis, and only look to have a child, probably by assisted reproduction techniques. So general practitioner and endocrinologist are more used to have a comprehensive evaluation of an infertile patient. Here we show that we should look not only at the fertility potential, eventually with reproductive hormone, uh, ultrasound, scanning of the tests and so on, but also other uh, metabolic uh, parameters related to glucose and lipid metabolism. Um, for example, we found that men with low sperm count have uh, greater uh, body mass index and waist circumference. They also have higher systolic blood pressure and higher LDL and lower HDL cholesterol, higher triglycerides. So they have composite expression of the so-called metabolic syndrome. So this is important from a practical point of view because uh, we should uh, be reminded that infertility could be, in fact, a general manifestation uh, of the general health of uh, an individual. And if you try to think uh, in the uh, evolutionary mode, uh, you can understand that if you want to be father, you have to be in good general condition. Do you believe that uh, general practitioners, general physicians, should be talking to their male patients about looking into sperm quality, sperm count, as a general biomarker of their overall health? Yes, I think so. There is a, one important thing to say, that semen analysis is uh, varying during time, and if you perform uh, two, three, five, ten semen analysis, you always find something uh, uh, different because the semen parameters are not so static, but they are dynamic uh, during the life, during the day. And uh, the other thing is that uh, the laboratory who perform uh, semen analysis uh, not always are so qualified to have uh, very good uh, semen analysis. So, it could be fantastic if we could uh, screen all the men with the semen analysis and then we could say, okay, you have uh, probably other possible problems or you are in good con general condition. This is not applicable today 
and so it is uh, difficult to have such uh, a screening. Uh, indeed, in uh, in our region, in Italy, there is such a screening program for uh, boys or for men at uh, about 18, 20 years old. So on a voluntary basis, they perform a semen analysis. And we have data of, uh, I think, 20,000 boys. Uh, and uh, uh, we use this data uh, because uh, if we find uh, low sperm count or other sperm parameter alterations, uh, we could uh, perform other analysis and have a more detailed information about the general health of this man. But I can understand it is difficult to propose and to have a, a large screening based on this particular exam. Well, we want to thank you so much for sharing your research with us, Dr. Ferlin. This has been uh, very interesting and very illuminating. Thank you to you. Earlier in this episode, for our trivia question, I asked, what else is in semen besides sperm? Semen, or seminal fluid, is a complex mixture of components that provide a protective medium for sperm as it travels through the female reproductive tract on its way to fertilize an egg. In addition to containing spermatozoa, Semen is composed of secretions that contain amino acids, citric acid, proteolytic enzymes, and sugars, including fructose. It also contains phosphorylcholine, prostaglandins, and minerals, including potassium and zinc. As we learned in the interview with Dr. Ferlin, semen is not only important for reproduction, it can also provide a powerful snapshot into a man's overall health. That's all for this episode. Thank you for listening to the Endocrine News Podcast. To learn more, visit www.endocrine.org podcast. There, you can find this episode and some helpful links. We are excited to share with you a lot of great topics, but we also want to know what matters to you. What would you like to hear about on the podcast? Send us your thoughts at podcast at endocrine.org. You can subscribe to Endocrine News Podcast on iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for listening. Endocrine News Podcasts are a free service of the Endocrine Society. To learn more or to become a member, visit the Society's website at www.endocrine.org.